So prayer is something we really want to push into as a, as a church. And um, so we're going to start a series for September looking at some of the, the inspiring prayers of the Bible. So I'm going to invite Tim up uh, now. And um, Tim, can I just pray for you before handover? But um, yeah, so Tim is part of our senior leadership team of the Woodlands Church family. He's uh, based down in, at Woodlands Central, um, but he gets to travel around and visit and say hello to different congregations. And so we are really pleased that he's here with us today. So Father God, we thank you for Tim. We thank you for all that he does, all that he is as a man, uh, a, a man after your heart, Jesus. And um, we pray for your blessing on him now. And we pray for each of us that you might give us ears to hear what it is you're wanting to say to us. Thank you that that you um, want to meet with each of us individually and speak into our individual circumstances through Tim's words and through your word this morning. Amen. Thank you very much, Deborah. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. I walked to church, blue skies, sunshine. I mean, it just feels like the end of the school holidays, doesn't it? Kind of uh, rain, drizzle, back to school, and out comes the sun, and it's lovely. Um, so, yeah, like Deborah says, we're going to start this, uh, this morning thinking about uh, prayers of the saints. And there's one thing about prayer. Sometimes, I don't know how you find prayer. Um, sometimes I, I do find prayer quite hard. I, I think, I think, ah... I know I should pray, <laughs> but, but what should I pray? How should I pray? Um, and sometimes I kind of get just caught up in a little kind of bubble of my own little kind of, my own thought life, my own kind of imagination, my own ways of doing things. And, and that's why uh, looking at God's word, looking at the Bible, and actually looking at some of the prayers that other people have prayed can be really inspiring. Uh, to see how, uh, so in, in the Bible, uh, a number of people's prayers are actually written down for us so we can see how they started, the middle, and how they finished. We can see the content, we can see their approach, we can see the emphasis of what they've said. And, and actually, when we get to study and look at those prayers, it can inspire and help us in our own prayer life. Uh, so whether it's the prayers of Jesus that are always so inspiring because he's still praying for us. So, so to hear some of his prayers in the Gospels, when Paul writes uh, his letters, again, sometimes he'll kind of write out some of the prayers that he's praying on his heart as he loves and cares for these churches that he's helped to start. Uh, and we see his, his prayers with the emotion and the feeling and the content, his desire within those prayers. But we're going to look at, over this month, look at, at four prayers. We're going to look at the um, prayer of Hannah. We're going to look at uh, the prayer um, of uh, Daniel, I think it is. Uh, but because David gets to write so many prayers in the Bible, the book of Psalms is his kind of his prayer journal in some ways. Actually, we're going to do two weeks on David. And uh, so this is the first week. And the, uh, what we're going to look at is actually prayer at the center. For, for David, somehow prayer and worship seemed to be at the center of his life. And I suppose that raises the question, is prayer central to our lives? Uh, now, if you're a guest or new here, or if you're watching online, um, you may not know about who David was in the first part of the Bible called the Old Testament. Um, David, he started off his life as, um, well, he was kind of one of the sons of a, a family. Uh, dad's name was Jesse. And, and he seemed to kind of, when the important person came to town to tea, he seemed to be left in the field. So I'm not quite sure if he was a little bit kind of ostracized, slightly bullied, slightly looked down on, because he was left out looking after the sheep when 
Samuel, this great person, came to look after, uh, to have a, a meal with his family. And, but he was somebody who looked after sheep. He was uh, a shepherd. Um, and out in the fields, looking after sheep, he probably had plenty of time to consider creation, nature, consider God, consider actually in caring for the sheep, there was water and grass that was needed. There was animals that needed to be fought off. There was safety and provision. And, and somehow in the, just the regularity of God, his, his friendship with God developed and, and strengthened. And, and there was something about those times that because he was a, a musician and a poet, he would write down some of his, his prayers. And some of his prayers we have in the Bible called uh, the Book of, of Psalms. And, and we see that as he faced the challenges of whether it was a bear attacking the sheep or eventually when there's a national crisis and uh, the Philistines are, are attacking Israel and, and they have this big champion called Goliath who's as big as a giant and, and he gets the chance to go just with this quiet confidence in God, a few stones in his pocket and he defeats Goliath. And there's something about that moment that brings him into kind of the public eye and we see during his life, eventually he gets the chance to become king. After many years of being kind of bullied and harassed by the previous king, uh, eventually he comes to be uh, king. Uh, and as king, you might think he's got all kinds of things to do, all kinds of responsibilities. Kind of, where on earth would he find time to pray? I'm not sure if you find that. <laughs> kind of, when do I get a chance to pray? It's the kids are up first thing in the morning, and then there's work, and there's deadlines, and I have to stop out late because uh, kind of work's kind of meeting next. And there's all kinds of things. Where do we get a chance to pray? But David was king. And as king, he had all kinds of responsibilities, but somehow he still managed to find time to pray. He still managed to put prayer and worship somehow in the center of his personal life. So there was, when there's all the things of state to deal with, when there was battles to be fought, when there was kind of uh, decisions to be made, somehow prayer was at the center. So we're going to look at one of David's prayers and, and see what we can learn from it. But just, um, again, you already know this, but just to say that um, when we think about prayer, uh, prayer is relational and not religious. So, so when we talk about prayer, sometimes you think, oh, I feel slightly guilty. I probably ought to do more, kind of, I ought to do more things, kind of, and, and, and certain religions would have certain ways to help you to pray, and that you have to pray certain times of the day, and certain kind of, uh, and, and actually, the thing with our faith revealed in Jesus is actually it's a relationship. When Jesus teaches us to pray, it's, it's Abba Father, our Father in heaven, kind of, a, a very kind of intimate, close Term because God's a relational God. He wants to relate with you. He wants to be friends with you. He wants to connect with you. It's not like there's a religious obligation of, of what you have to do. And, and that's what I say is that actually it, it's prayer is a privilege, not an obligation. Oh, maybe I, I ought to pray. <laughs> actually, it's a privilege to pray. Actually, there's something about God wants to know you and hopefully you want to know God. And, and as that friendship and relationship builds, of course, communication is important and you speaking with God and God speaking with, with you is how your faith grows how your faith develops although it's a relationship there's still I suppose hmm, there still needs to be a bit of conscious thought about it because you might say oh well I'm just let, let go and let God and it's all kind of let's everything hang loose and and but I think if you're truly going to take your relationship seriously actually some kind of rhythm some kind of routine are really helpful 
I don't know if any of you have been parents, but actually the bedtime routine is probably quite a helpful thing. But there's, there's some rhythms to life which actually helps a, a, a child kind of get to, to sleep and kind of process the day. I know there's kind of um, some people in a relationship will say we need date night because life's so busy that actually we need one particular time when we make sure that we connect. And in some ways with uh, prayer, I think it's the same with God. But of course, we could pray any time. But actually, there's some rhythms and there's some keys and there's some, some ideas, there's some notions, which is why it's, it's great to come make a space on a Sunday. There's a rhythm. Every Sunday, we have the chance to be here because we can worship God together. We can pray together. Actually, we can develop our relationship with God. It's something that we feel is really important. Therefore, we make a rhythm. We make a space for God to interact with us. Of course, he wants to interact with you throughout the whole of your week. But particularly now you've made a chance for an hour to be here in this room. You've given this time to God. It's a rhythm that's in your, kind of in your weekly schedule. Why? Because our hope is that your relationship with God is strengthened, it's developed, it's, it's encouraged. So prayer is a relationship. It's not an obligation. But it's good to think about some of the um, rhythms behind it, some of the, the thoughts that provoke and help us to pray. So we're going to look at one of David's prayers, and it's um, uh, Psalm 24. Uh, and in this psalm, the, the background, some people feel, is, um, uh, is the story of where um, David went to get what was called the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord. Now, if you don't know Old Testament history, um, God, who is everywhere, chose to be somewhere. God, who created the whole world, decided that actually he wanted to to presence himself with his people. In the Old Testament, the people of God were the Israelites. And so what they did was they built this, um, this tent and this tabernacle, but inside the tabernacle was this Ark of the Covenant with seraphim kind of carved by it, and, and, and it was the symbol of the sign. This was the presence of God. And what had happened is that these Philistines, as I've told you about, had, had attacked, and, and they'd taken away the Ark of the Covenant and they tried to get it back, and they got it halfway back to Jerusalem, and, uh, and there was an incident, um, and it was been stopping for a while in a, a man's house called Obed-Edom. And the presence of the, the, the covenant was there in Obed-Edom's house. And what happened was that his household got really blessed up. <laughs> I mean, all this, all this kind of stuff started happening to Obed-Edom, and people are thinking, why is all this great stuff happening to Obed-Edom? Maybe it's because God's presence is with him. And David, who was king at this stage, thought, you know what? We need the presence of God, the center of our national life. Actually, let's go and we'll collect this temple, this, this Ark of the Covenant, we're going to do every six steps we take. We're going to sacrifice an animal, maybe two animals, take another six steps. And, and, and this pathway to, from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem actually would have just been this like this. I mean, it's fairly gory, isn't it? This river of blood as, as, as this presence of God came into the uh, city of Jerusalem. And whether David thought about what was going to happen, and he wrote this as a kind of prayer as, as they were entering Jerusalem, and as they said, the presence of God is now coming into the center of our national life, the same as we want the presence of God at the center of our personal lives. Actually, here's this psalm that he wrote, this prayer. It says this, the earth is the Lord's 
and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the oceans and established it on the waters. Who can ascend the mount of the Lord or stand in his holy place? The, the temple where they were going to put the ark was on the highest part in Jerusalem. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear to a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from, their, from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord almighty, he is the king of glory. Just four quick thoughts from me. Is that okay about how do we make prayer the center of our life? Is this, this psalm, this worship, this, this moment that, that was declared as they came to Jerusalem, how does this help us as we think about putting prayer at the center of our life? Well, the first thing about prayer is that actually it's, it's, it's always good to remember who God is. Actually, sometimes when I come to pray, I think how big my problems are rather than how big God is. Actually, I come with the, the, the feeling of, and, and the focus on my needs, my feelings, kind of my difficulties. And, and, and if, if those things are the focus of prayer, we'll, we'll maybe we'll say them, but whether prayer is actually at the center of who we are, because we need to remember who God is. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I mean, consider the birds of the air, the flowers of the fields. Actually, when, when I think that sometimes trouble's got on top of me, I, I do go out into my garden, and I, I look at the, I just stare at a flower. Some, one of the neighbours looked at it and said, well, what's he doing? Just, just staring at a flower. I'm considering the flowers. I've got a little new app on my phone called Merlin. Have any of you come across it? And, and, and you can identify a bird song. And so, some, so sometimes I go in the garden, and I, you can hear the bird song, and I click on the Merlin app, and it tells me all the different, different birds. That, and I consider the birds of the air. The earth is the Lord's, everything in it. It gets my fears and my worries, my anxieties into perspective. He says that, remember, who is the king of glory? The Lord is strong, mighty in battle. Do you remember when you pray who God is? The privilege of praying to the God of the universe, the galaxies, this world. The God who knows you, loves you, cares about you. I think the th put, putting prayer at the center is actually, it is probably putting God in the center, remembering who he is, what he's like. The second thing is when I come to prayer, I think, uh, who's going to enter the presence of God? <laughs> the one who has a clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in idols or swear by false gods. I think there's something about prayer, when you put it at the center, you actually, when you realize who God is, you kind of realize who you are. <laughs> And as you realize who you are, you think, ah, that's not so good. You realize who you are and you think, ah, maybe this week, these hands of mine have done things that maybe haven't been so good. Maybe this head of mine has been thinking things. Maybe this mouth of mine has been saying things. Am I somebody who has clean hands and a pure heart? And, and sometimes we put prayer at the center, sometimes we can back off prayer because we think, well, why would God listen to me? Kind of, if God knew what I was like and what I thought and whatever, he, he wouldn't listen to me. The truth is God does know 
what you're like, and he still wants to listen to you. And the reality is that there is a river of blood that doesn't flow into the city, kind of, but flows from the cross to us. And, and it might sound a bit gory, but the, the sacrifice of Jesus brings forgiveness to us all. And that's the truth. Whatever you've thought, whatever you've done, even this week, actually you can have clean hands and a pure heart. And one thing about, about prayer is, is that actually when, when I've remembered who God is, our Father, about art in heaven, how to be your name, actually there is, yeah, there's one thing I need to do is forgive us. <laughs> forgive us today. Kind of forgive us what we've said and what we've done. And I think making prayer the centre is we need, as we put prayer at the centre, we find once again there is forgiveness in God. The third little thing I'd say about prayer is this, is that um, prayer leads to a blessed life. Now you think, oh, hang on, Tim, are you going for prosperity gospel here? Are you saying if you pray, you're going to make lots of money, you're going to have the biggest house, and, you're going to have a, and there's going to be comfort? Actually, no. I'm, I'm, I'm frequently challenged by the persecuted church. I don't know if you are. Actually, there's people in other countries now, actually people through history, who lived loving God like I love God, following Jesus like I hope I follow Jesus. And, and what happens to them is they get beaten and tortured, they get their possessions confiscated. Actually, they, they have jobs that they can no longer have access to. And, and you might think, well, why do they still keep on following Jesus? Because we are pain averse, aren't we? we? We want a comfortable life rather than a blessed life. Actually, they, I think they would say why we carry on is that we found in God something that is such a, a, a core blessing in life that no matter what happens to us physically, financially, socially, we are blessed by God because we have a relationship, forgiveness, a life that nothing can touch, take away. No torture, no imprisonment, not even death itself can separate us from the love of God. So when the psalmist says here, uh, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God our Saviour, is it, say, put prayer at the centre of your life and suddenly your life is going to be, it's going to be the shiniest, brightest. No, but you will find that in the troubles and the pressures and the struggles that are part of what all human beings faced, actually you'll find there is a resilience, there's a hope, there's a blessing, there's a presence of God that can be with you, encouraging you, supporting you vindicating you, saving you, rescuing you. Actually, when we put our reliance and confidence on things that are external, they'll let us down. But when we put our reliance and confidence on things that are uh, in, invisible but eternal, that's where a, a truly blessed life is. And somehow prayer is tapping into the eternal. Prayer is tapping into the invisible. It's aligning ourselves not with what we see physically around the world. It's aligning ourselves with what we know eternally to be true with God. Why put prayer at the centre of your life? Actually, I'm sure for David, he knew that if the presence of God was at the centre of our national life, there would be a blessing. And David did know victory over enemies, that he was vindicated kind of before people. Just the last thing. Um, I think prayer is about making way for King Jesus. I'm not sure who you'd say is king of your life. Quite frequently, it's me. I mean, I know what's right. I know what's best. I kind of know what's kind of uh, what I want to achieve, what I want to do. Kind of, and somehow I can set my priorities, my agenda, use my resources. And sometimes King Tim, kind of, I, I'm in charge. 
And this psalm says, lift up your heads, O gates, lift them up, ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Those gates were there for protection. That was part of the city wall and, and the gates, and, and the gates would have, have a strong doors there, and they were there to, be, to protect against enemy, but somehow, at times, we can be self-protective, we can be self-defensive, but there's times where we need to open up the gates to let the king of glory in. Actually, when we're self-protective, when we're self, when we think self is in control, we're self-defensive, kind of somehow we think we can do life and we're strong enough by ourselves. And as David says here, actually, open up, you ancient doors. <laughs> I need to say it to my heart sometimes. Open up, you ancient doors. Let the king of glory come in. Let Jesus, who didn't just become my savior in the past, but is my king today. In prayer, making that choice. Open up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? <laughs> the Lord strong and mighty. Prayer at the center. I suppose the challenge for me and challenge for you is, do we open up the doors each day? Do we have those rhythms in our lives where we say, actually, yes to God? Do we remember who God is? Do we find forgiveness? Do we realize that it's a life of prayer that's a life that encounters a relationship with God which brings a security and a blessing? And are we aware that there's always a battle, a battle for supremacy in your life, and it's my old self-life or it's King Jesus? And my prayer for you and for me is that we would, as we go through this month, as we think about prayer, that you'd find that centering your life in prayer, like David putting the presence of God right in the center of national life, will make the kind of difference he always intended it would make. Let's pray. And just as we take a chance to pray, and as a moment as we uh, go back to take some time to worship, David was a prayer and a worshiper. And for both of them, it was because he had encountered God. My prayer is for you this morning in these moments, whether you feel you're someone who is a Christian or whether you feel that you're watching in on the outside and my prayer is that you'd find that there was a relationship to be encountered with God. The prayer isn't a demand to put on you in your busy life. It's a privilege for you to take part in. And God, for us this month as we look at prayer, I pray that would help. You'd help us to put, again, that relationship with you back at the centre. Our personal prayer life, our corporate prayer life, our personal worship life, our corporate worship life, that somehow our relationship with you would develop. For those of us who are here this morning who feel that we haven't got clean hands and our heart's not pure, I pray even now we would find a time to encounter you, to say we're sorry, confess our wrongdoings. God is faithful to us. He will cleanse us. We thank you, Lord. Help us to make you once again for this new term. Make you, Jesus, king of our lives. Amen.